Welcome to Basic Christian Life. The teaching series within this podcast is a part of the Basic Discipleship Program. In Mark 8, 34, Jesus said, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Our hope is that this material will equip you with basic Bible truths that you can know how to effectively follow Christ. Now, let's join today's lesson. Hey, welcome to Basic Christian Life, and today we're in session four, and we're talking about the church. This is the first lesson out of two lessons on this subject. In order to live the Christian life, in order to be Christ followers, to follow Jesus, we have to have a solid scriptural awareness concerning this thing we call the church. The church is the called out body of believers who have been set apart by the Lord for His purposes. Uh, the church exists to give glory to Jesus. The church is not a building. The church is a people. And the church is a people who are made uh, to make Jesus known here on earth. Before time began, Revelation 13.8, uh, the Lord had ordained that He would have a people. He had their names written in the Lamb's book of life. And the church has been set apart for His purposes and for His glory. Now, uh, the church exists to know Christ and to make Him known. Uh, but in order to do that, the church must embrace certain biblical priority, priorities. Um, these priorities are determined or they are discovered when we examine the behavior of the early church. We, we see in the book of Acts especially a description of what the, the early church committed itself to. I remember as a new believer uh, attending, or as a young believer attending a, a church while I was in college, and I had at that time, uh, for the first time, read the book of Acts. And I remember talking to my preacher and asking him, has anybody in our church actually read the book of Acts? It seemed so foreign to what we were doing as a congregation. So a simple reading of Scripture reveals that the early church were continually devoted to a few essential tasks. Consider Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Listen to this description of the early church. Uh, they, speaking of the church, the early believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Acts 2, 42-47. Now in this passage, I believe we see four basic priorities that should mark 
any biblical New Testament church. And now if you want to live the Christian life and be all that God wants you to be, realize this, despite what American society may tell you, there is no Lone Ranger spirituality. You are made to live in fellowship with the church. The church exists to instruct you, to build you up, to encourage you, and to hold you accountable. Without a church, you will be like a spiritual nymph. You won't have all that you need to thrive for Christ. You'll be hamstrung in your pursuit of Christian growth. You won't be a part of a body that takes the gospel to the world. Now, consider from our passage four basic priorities of the church, and you need to be engaged in these as a Christian if you want to live the basic Christian life. Number one, we see this idea of worship. Worship. Uh, we, we see this here in the text where it speaks of the early church devoting themselves to prayers. And, and we see precedent throughout Scripture for this as well. Colossians 3.16, uh, Paul encouraged the early church, first century Colossae, uh, to let the word of Christ dwell richly among them in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in their hearts. Notice that the early church was to make worship a priority. And notice two aspects of worship. First of all, worship is centered on Scripture. Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. So when we come together to worship, uh, we don't come for the opinions of man. We don't come to focus on the philosophies of this world. We don't come to celebrate or observe worldly type of observances. Uh, we don't come to just focus on our programs as a church. Uh, we don't come for a... Uh, self-help lesson, no biblical Christianity. The Christian life should involve going to church and worshiping by focusing on Scripture, the Word of God, and what His truth says. You can't have real worship without hearing the pure, unadulterated truth of God. Worship. It involves the Scripture but it also involves singing. He speaks of the need to admonish one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So this thing called singing is something God has created. He made music. When he designed the heavens and the earth, and when he created math and principles of physics, he also wove this thing called music into human society, and is this a means of us expressing love to him, of us giving him the worth he deserves. It is a way, we see it in Revelation 4 and 5, that in the presence of God, even now, angels and believers of past generations are singing praise to the Lord. Singing and music is the way that we give God the worship He deserves. And when we gather together as believers, we ought to have Scripture, but we also ought to have singing. And that singing ought to be focused on making Christ great, giving Him the praise He deserves. So make sure you're a part of a church that has worship 
but also that has worship that is built upon Scripture and scriptural singing. And make sure that if you're a part of a church that has that, you're regularly engaging in such worship. And, and you're going to the time of worship with this focus. I need Scripture. And I ought to sing to the Heavenly Father. But worship, that's the first priority. Secondly, we see this priority that I would call community. Community. Some may use the word fellowship. I use the word community. And by that, we speak of this idea of communal. Uh, we see that in the early church, all the believers were together and held all things in common. I like to describe this idea of community or fellowship by saying, hey, the church is a place where you should connect life on life with other believers. The Lord intends for you to have a relationship with Him through worship, but He also intends for you to have a relationship with others through fellowship or community. You, you know, this is really the great commandment, isn't it? Matthew 22, 37-40, what's the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, second command is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're not a full-orbed, mature Christian if you aren't engaging in worship of God and fellowship with other believers. You need this idea of community. And the author of Hebrews talks about the importance of such community in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. He says, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another, be on the lookout for one another, to provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Interestingly, the author of Hebrews uses this word translated provoke. And he says when we gather together, we should provoke one another to love and good works. Interestingly, the Greek word there is a word used in the first century of someone spurring on a horse, riding a horse and striking the animal with some type of spur on his or her, her foot or, or whipping the horse to, to get it to, to run or move forward. Now, every illustration breaks down at some point. You don't want to regard your fellow church members as horses and you don't want to whip them or strike them with spurs, uh, but get the illustration, right? When we gather together, there ought to be this spiritual synergy and this relational encouragement where we spur one another on, where we excite each other to fresh spiritual activity. Realize that this idea of community is a part of worship. And if you want to live the basic Christian life, uh, you need to, to be a part of a church where you're regularly worshiping through Scripture and singing, that where you're engaged in a group uh, from which you receive encouragement and spiritual edification. Worship, community. Thirdly, I see this idea in Scripture of training. Now, now you see it in the Acts passage where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, it's so sad that many Christians get saved and they really never learn anything about the Bible. Their Bibles are, are still look new. They still have the gold edges around the pages. They're, 
uh, don't do much of studying God's Word, that their minds are filled more with the philosophies of pop culture than they are with the truth of God's Word. And when you read Scripture, you see that the early church was committed to the doctrine that came from Jesus and the apostles. Uh, Undoubtedly, they were regularly reflecting on Holy Spirit-inspired truth. They let the Word of God dictate their thinking and how they lived. Uh, Matters were settled based not upon what people thought, but upon what God thought. We see in Scripture that the early church was committed to regular training. Peter said in 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said of the truth, when He was praying on our behalf, He said, Lord, sanctify them by Your truth. Your Word is truth. So the church ought to be this place. I mean, it's just clear in Scripture ought to be this place where we are regularly training people in the simple truth of God. That's why we have this podcast. That's why we have this series. We want people to be trained in the basics. Oh, be careful in American society. There are so many uh, slick studies and new concepts and teaching out there. What we need for the church to be revived is just basic, simple training and truth. I'll give you one more uh, passage on this subject. I think of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2. Paul was instructing his young preacher protege on how to lead the church. And he said this, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So notice Paul's ministry strategy. There ought to be regular, pastors ought to be regularly teaching people who teach people the truth. There ought to be this almost pyramid scheme, if you will, of uh, teaching going on in the church and where the whole body is trained and built up and knowledgeable of God's truth and strong in the Word of God so that they can stand as bright lights in a crooked and depraved generation. Priorities. Worship, community, training. Lastly, I would say, mission. You know Jesus is giving the church a mission, right? If you want to live the Christian life, you need to be a part of a church where you can worship, where you can engage in community, where you can be trained and train others. And then lastly, you need to be in a part of a church that's on mission. You know, the reality is we haven't been made a part of this thing called the church in order to be spectators. We've been brought to the church to be participators. And the church has a mission. The mission is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. That's what we're to be doing. It's so sad many times in American society we approach church from a consumer mindset. What can I get from the church? No, we've been made a part of the church to give something, to go to the nations, to go into our circle of influence and lead others to become Christ followers and to train them. Oh, so many churches can buy into this idea of entertainment and having almost a religious show each week. Now, in one way, we have a worship time where we observe, but at the same time, know this, that is in order to encourage us and build us up. That is to worship the Lord so then that we're ready 
to go out on mission. So if you want to be a part of a church, and if you want to uh, be a Christ follower who has a relationship with the church that really brings blessing to your life and the lives of others, you need to get this idea of mission. And realize this, according to Scripture, every disciple has been given spiritual gifts that they are to use in this thing called mission. In other words, when you got saved, yes, you were forgiven of your sins. Yes, you're promised of eternal life with God. But when you got saved, John 3, 3, Galatians 3, 2, the Spirit of God came to live within your mortal body. And with that Spirit, you gained what Scripture calls a spiritual gift. It's something you didn't have from your mere human nature. You gained a spiritual ability that the Lord wants you to use within the context of your local church so that the mission might be fulfilled. Oh, you're missing it if you don't know your spiritual gift and if you're not using it. God the Father has pre-programmed you with spiritual capabilities that He wants to use to introduce other people to Him. Paul spoke of this in Galatians 2, 12, 6 through 8. He said, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. So you got a gift. If prophecy, that is speaking truth, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. Some of you have been given a supernatural ability to boldly speak truth to people. And you can use that through counseling. You can use that in evangelism and witnessing. You can use that in teaching or leading a small group. Use it. God wants to use that gift so that His kingdom might be built. If prophecy... Use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. Some of you have been given a passion for just meeting the practical needs of others. Doing behind-the-scenes work so that the church can fulfill its purpose. Serving mills, cleaning buildings, performing repairs, decorating, setting up, hosting people. Hey, if that's your gift, use it with an eye on seeing people saved and discipled. If teaching, use your gift in teaching. That means there are people who have been given a supernatural ability, I believe this is one of my gifts, to study, understand the things of God and God's Word, and then communicate it to others. So if you've been given that gift, teach a small group, a life group a Sunday school class, teach a Bible study, engage in some type of Christian counseling ministry, go to a prison or to a shelter and teach, teach, teach all for the glory of Jesus. Get involved in a program of discipling people. Teach so that others can have the knowledge of the truth so that people can be saved and built up in the faith and so that Christ's fame might spread on this earth. If teaching and teaching, if exhorting and exhortation. Now some would call this the gift of encouragement, but exhortation is the idea of cheering a person along or, or calling them along, uh, calling them to step up in the Christian faith and to get busy with God's will for their lives. This word exhortation is a, a biblical word. Uh, some have said that exhortation isn't 
really encouragement as we often think of it. We think of encouragement in our society as being this idea of comforting a person. But, but the Greek word here isn't just comforting. It's coming alongside to comfort, but, but the Greek word is a lot stronger than our idea of encouragement. It's coming alongside to comfort, but it's also the idea of challenging. And so I heard one explain it like this. It said it's like the old football coach. After a, a, a linebacker maybe makes a good play, the football coach may pull him to the sideline and slap him on the back and say, good job, man, you really... You really had a good tackle there, and then he might then turn around and slap him on the back. Now go out there and get him again. And that's the idea of biblical encouragement. That there's this idea of comfort and assurance and validation. But there's also the idea of challenging and calling people into church to live up to their God-given potential. And if you've got that gift, you need to get busy. You need to use it in relationships. You need to use it in small groups. You need to use it through teaching or through preaching or through leading ministries or, or leading groups that go out into communities or on mission trips. Challenge people. Comfort them, but challenge them. Exhortation. Then he speaks of giving. This is really just stewarding your time, talent, and treasures so that the kingdom of God has what it needs to advance. Really believe there's an emphasis here on resources. God has bestowed upon some people um, riches and wealth, as he did with Lydia in the book of Acts, that he intends for them to use to meet the financial and material needs of the church. And if that's you, realize God hasn't given you a bunch of resources or the resources you have for you just to keep for yourself. He wants you to use them for the kingdom. Eternity is coming. And you can't take it with you. And maybe God's gifted you to give. The Bible says, if giving, then with generosity. There's also the gift of leading. This is the idea of directing, managing, mobilizing, motivating people for kingdom work. This could be someone who leads a local outreach, someone who leads a local shelter, someone who feeds meals or distributes to the homeless. One who leads an evangelistic outreach in a community. One who leads mission trips. One who oversees a team of people who are creating ministries to reach people. Some just have that ability to work with people and manage, mobilize, and motivate people. It's given by the Spirit. And if you've got that gift, use it. Use it with diligence. And lastly, there's the gift of showing mercy. And that's the idea that you have compassion for those who are hurting. You have sympathy and empathy for those who need encouragement. And oh, how we know within the church there are people who are grieving, there are people who are sick, there are people who are hurting, there are people who have experienced great loss, loss of job, loss of a loved one, loss of finances. In different seasons of life, they need people to come alongside them and show mercy and encourage them to be a listening ear and to be a shoulder upon which they can cry. And if you have that gift, use it because people in the church need encouragement. It seems like sometimes we can't all, all be about go. Let's get after the mission. Some people at times need to heal and they need help. And so if you've got that gift, use it with an eye on building people up so that they can fulfill their part in the church. 
Remember these priorities. Worship, community, training, and mission. Thank you for joining us today for our lesson on basic Christian life. Stay current with other episodes by subscribing to our podcast or visit us online at basicdiscipleship.net. If you have any questions about the materials presented in this lesson, or if you would like to give feedback, email us at info at basicdiscipleship.net. Thanks for listening.